Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, guys? How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Doing very well, thank you. How are you, Dustin? I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah. I'm not great, but I'm glad to be here. All right. Was the five count too long? For the gap, um, too much. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think it like might you know raise people's expectations and like, oh, what's coming next? Yeah. Or I'm hoping that somebody thinks that the sound cut out and they, just, <laughs> <laughs> and they turn it up, and then Dustin's like, "How you doing?" <laughs> and then it just blows up their speakers. Well, uh, the winter season is upon us. Sure is, isn't it great? Getting and dark at five thirty. Jason, you have picked for us a very fitting film. Yes, I think so. Although I think I made a mistake, because technically I don't think this is a Christmas film. It's technically a New Year's film. New Year's film. But I mean, that's basically it's in the, the same thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're going to be talking about the children from 2008, but first, like always, let's warm up a little bit and talk about what we've been watching recently. Yeah. I have a good one this time, Go. believe it or not. Do it. Okay. Go. All right. I watched a new Candyman film. Oh, uh-huh. shit. Yeah. I still need to get around to it. Yes. I liked it very much. Okay, cool. I think it's very good. It's very well made. Uh, well acted. It's a pretty smart script, I think. Um, it is a true sequel to Candyman. Okay. And unlike certain other film franchises, it doesn't <laughs> negate any other Candyman sequels in case you like them. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's all those Day of the Dead fans out there that just really... Right. You know. Well, you know, I'm sure there are some of them. Um... <laughs> are there? <laughs> are there? Are there, though? <laughs> Right in, let us know if you like the third Candyman film. One of our 20 listeners is like, I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Be that as it may, it doesn't feel the need to go out of its way and rewrite anything. Mm, good. Um, but it is a, good, a direct continuation. And uh, I don't want to say too much about it because it's still kind of new. A lot of people right. haven't seen it yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I liked it a lot. I would like If I were to rate it, I would probably give it four stars. Oh, that's big for you. Mm-hmm. That is pretty big, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know it caused a lot of controversy when it came out because everybody was like, I don't like politics in my movie. And I'm like, did you fucking see the first Candyman? <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that is Candyman, though. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Did you if, see it? <laughs> I'm sorry if a movie based on a black character who is lynched by a mob for a consensual relationship with a white woman becomes political for you. you well, know, you know, that just seems if, to be the climate currently. <laughs> I mean, if the movie warrants it, then that's that's the movie. That's I'm the sorry, a smart horror film with something to say bothers. <laughs> that was just my favorite. I don't. I wish politics would stay out of my movies. I'm like, I'm not <sighs> sure that you watched Candyman. Like, yeah. did you? Ah, okay, okay, that's fine. Sure, <laughs> okay, this is fine. But cool. I I like it. Well, awesome. That that'll drive me more toward checking it out. Finally. Good. I think you should. I really want to watch it. Yeah. Do you want to go or me? Um, I can go. Okay. So, Jason, you're actually in on this one, too. I wanted to circle back and talk about this just because we've mentioned the other ones in the, the series. Uh, Severin put out like a little trilogy of three post-apocalyptic films from the 80s. Mm. And over the year, we've been watching through them. And so we finally checked out the final one, uh, Joe D'Amato's Endgame from 1983. Yes. And it is very uh, what you would expect from an Italian 80s film. <laughs> That's what you would expect from Joe D'Amato. It's very what you'd expect from Joe D'Amato. Um yeah, wow, it's just like, you know, it's in the future, there's a whole <sighs> nuclear fallout. It starts with this, like, quote, end game that they're playing, and it's like the whole, like, televised death game kind of thing. And what's crazy is, like, you think that's the whole movie. Like, it's going to be this game and this dude trying to survive. 
and that's just like the first act and it's not even like what 20 minutes maybe even right. that yeah, yeah it sets they things just up blow through it and then the rest of the film is like there's this gang of mutants that have psychic powers yeah i'm in yeah and they hired the lead to kind of lead them out of the like ah oh, corporation controlled city and into the wilderness where there's like a safe haven for them because of course mutants are outlawed because they're dangerous right of course it's um, starting to sound like the life that i want it sounds fucking amazing and like you know a fallout game brought to the screen Mm. <laughs> you gotta you gotta temper your expectations. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's definitely a you know beer and friends kind of mm-hmm. movie. Um, don't watch it soberly alone. You know, sitting there in the dark, glued to the screen by yourself, and no. expect this like cinematic experience or anything. I think the really disappointing thing is that when we're we're always like. You know, make sure you have a beer and a friend around for this. And people are like, I don't have any friends. Well, at least get a beer. Get a beer. It does It does have George Eastman in it, mm-hmm. who I like a lot. And he actually survives to the end. Yeah. So I figured they were going to kill him off in that first little death game thing. And okay, then yeah, see. They're going to be like, oh, it features George Eastman. <laughs> they had him for two days. And also Laura Gimser's in it. So if you're a big Black Emmanuel fan, you're set. Interesting. Yeah. So Endgame, check it out if you like post-apocalyptic movies. Well, I'm going to go um, very opposite spectrum of that one, um, and I will talk about, since everybody gives me shit for talking about mainstream movies um, oh, okay. on here, I watched Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Okay. Um, that was one I was really excited about mm-hmm. when it came out, but I didn't get to go because it was at the theater, and I'm still not comfortable going to the theater yet. So, Disney Plus dropped it on there finally. Um was it like 30 bucks or was it free? No, it's free. Oh, of course. He wa- why did I have to ask? He watched it. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't 30 I think I'd pay $30. <laughs> That's a dumb question. I mean, like the new James Bond is out to rent, but it's $20. And I'm like, eh. Oh, I have other trepidations about that one. But please continue. Um, well, anyway, um, I actually really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's still a Marvel movie. There, like, There's no way around that. It's, it's definitely a Marvel movie, and it's definitely a Marvel movie origin story. Um, I, I expected that. Yeah. yeah. But... It's really more of a Chinese fantasy. And what I really appreciated was that they went... Like the Moaning Taiwan? They're a very different fantasy. Oh, okay. Um, right. Now we can't air in China. Now, oh, no. You. Oh, no. <laughs> You're going to have to say, to go on I have to apologize in Mandarin, in like Mandarin. John Cena. Never. Yeah. Um, anyway... Uh, Yes, so one of the things that drew me to it as well is uh, Simu Liu is the uh, place Shang-Chi, and he was in Kim's Convenience, mm. which is a really brought s- up before. silly comedy mm-hmm. on Netflix, um, which, side note, the dad um, who's like in Kim's Convenience is like the biggest nerd ever, and he actually showed up in uh, The Mandalorian. Uh, he was one of the, um, was one of the pilots, right? One of the pilots. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. And he just got like, I don't give a shit about this, but he just got cast as the uncle in the live action avatar mm-hmm. thing. And like, I don't, I'm not into avatar, so I don't really care. But I'm, when I saw that, I was like, good for him, man. He's such a nerd <laughs> that I just want to hang out with that. I just like seeing him get roles cause he's just cool. Anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's fine. He's a cool guy. Um, but the cool thing was that Marvel actually embraced um, having a lot of the film be in Mandarin, mm. uh, which I was genuinely surprised yeah. for. Uh, I wasn't really expecting that, um, but it's kind of it's more whimsical of a story. 
Um, I guess the big thing you should say is right. Uh, the villain is played by it's Tony Lung. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big oh, he's Hong awesome. Kong action star, and he was great in it. He really was. Like he was very subdued, mm-hmm. but his presence alone, you could tell. Like this dude's royalty. Yeah, uh, Michelle Yeoh is in it. Nice. Um, yeah. So here's my question: What is the action like? Because that's what I wondered about. It kind of splits in two sections. So like when it's grounded, like. It kind of, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there's part of the film that takes place in a mystical realm. Um, Par for the course for Marvel these days. Yeah, it takes place in a mystical realm. When it gets there, the action gets very Mm Marvel-y. But when they're grounded in, like, on Earth, Mm -hmm. the action's really good. The fight scenes are very visible. See, I wondered if they would try to adopt any of like the Hong Kong action film techniques because most Marvel stuff is like very like quick cuts, quick cuts. They actually did. It seemed like, uh, and I feel like shit that I don't know who was like the action choreographer or anything in this, but um, they actually did pan out and let you see the fights. Good, which good. is That's really awesome. really nice. You can see the choreography that went into it. There's a lot of um, acrobatics in the choreography, which is cool. Very nice. old school Jackie Chan stuff. So, yeah, I absolutely loved all that. Like, if you've seen the trailer for the fight scene on the bus, mm-hmm. that was cool. It was really cool. Um, that scene was why I wondered if maybe they were trying to mix it up a little bit. And they did for the first half of the film, cool. like, and really embrace that. Now, granted, when they get to the, like, the... Once you have, like, magic powers flying around and stuff, you kind of have to do it that way, I guess. Yeah, um, but the one of the creatures that is, like, one of the mystical creatures that's unleashed looks super fucking cool. Um, it's really Lovecraftian in a way. There's like, there's a lot of tentacles and weird shit coming out of it, but, uh, all right, Jason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm interested. Um, Jason, it's but not, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not Japanese. You. So I probably wouldn't, you know, it's definitely not for you. <laughs> yeah. Like it's well, not, I've, I've kind of tuned out of the whole superhero thing now anyway, but it was actually one of the ones I was really surprised about. Like I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see some things go a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. I always love those comics. I, that's one ones. I never really, I never knew much about. Like uh, I read Iron Fist. They're great. Um, which apparently now that Marvel's getting ready to like kind of phase out Iron Fist and kind of put that more into the Shang Chi realm. That makes sense, especially since Iron Fist was kind of a strange thing to put a white guy in a like Asian dominated world. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's you know, it's whatever. Um, but also to be commended is there was a huge Asian cast. In this, like, they didn't try to whitewash it very much at all, which was super cool. So, it's on streaming on Disney Plus. It's a little long, personally. I mean, t- I took. They all are. I found <laughs> I found myself taking Jason's stance. I was like, uh-huh. this is a little long. Let's see, um, but would you, know. you say it was uneven? Ah, uh, no. Okay. I thought it was pretty straightforward through the whole thing. Um, cool surprise characters, like some cameos show up that are really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. Since I'm the guy who brought Raya, um, <laughs> film that he watched. Since that's fine, you bring you're, any you're movie our, you uh, want. Our Disney Plus correspondent, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you bring any movie you want. Yeah, I brought a movie. I didn't bring a TV show. Yeah. So, yeah. Why are you guys staring at me? <laughs> <laughs> Shang Chi: Legend of the Ten Rings. Check it out. Disney Plus. Pretty fun. Awesome. Children. Yes, from 2008, not the one from 1980.
was that produced by Troma, I think? Yeah, Troma licensed it, it yeah. I think. Okay. Well, Radioactive when I, children. When I was looking for it, I made sure that I was watching the right movie. Yes. <laughs> and I texted you just to make sure I didn't show up and like none of the plot points sounded right. <laughs> like, uh, where do the radioactive ones come no, in? I'm going to be honest. I looked up the trailer for the 80s one and I was like, hmm, I kind of want to see this now. <laughs> I know because it's so weird. It's like it's kids and they get radioactive and then that makes them get black fingernails. It's like so cool. Being radioactive makes you goth. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. That checks. That scans. Man, my, I started listening I'm down. to Bauhaus too, I'm sure. My high school days, I was radioactive. <laughs> All right, Jason, so what is this movie? It is a 2008 British film by Tom Shankland, who had one credit before this, but this is the last movie he's done so far. I understand why. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Holy <laughs> shots fired. Woo, before just right even... over the bow. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what Michael thought. <laughs> Damn. Mm. All right. And people uh, thought I was vicious about Hold the Dark. Uh, but he's done a ton of TV work. Uh, you mentioned Iron Fist. He's actually done some episodes of that. Well, uh, it got canceled. So. <laughs> um, so this is Christmas horror, well, winter horror, I guess we it is. It's, I, I thought it was a Christmas film, but it's actually a New Year's film. I mean, that's close enough, right? Sure. There's there a lot there of are presents in the mix. And yeah, yeah, sure. Right. So what's the, what's the general synopsis we're talking about here? What, uh, the general synopsis is, is we're looking at two families coming together for New Year's Eve. We have the one family is uh, Elaine and Jonah. Are the mother and the father, and they've got uh, the oldest one is Casey, and she is like Jonah's stepdaughter, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's older; she's a teenager, whatever. Um, and then they have two younger kids. Let's see, because the kids' names get me confused. Uh, Polly and Miranda. Miranda. And even from the outstart, it's it's apparent that Jonah's favorite is Miranda, who he calls Princess mm-hmm. and yeah. dotes on. And they're going to go see Elaine's sister, Chloe, her husband, Robbie, and their two children, Nikki and Leah. This sounds like the opening to that Poison song. Where they're like naming over each band member of Poison. Ricky! Bobby! Cece! <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but nominally, it's Casey that's kind of our main character that yes. we focus on the most. Yes. Uh, she's got the typical teenager reaction of like she doesn't want to be there. Sure, she's she, on the phone. She could have been at a party, but she's had to do this family stuff. Yes, she's also dressed very two thousand and eight. Yes, like yes. the purple streak <laughs> in the hair mm-hmm. uh, looks like she's been to Hot Topic recently and is currently listening to My Chemical Romance. Yeah, right. Really, two thousand and eighting it up. She's just discovered a rebellion. Uh, she has a very of that time uh, Emma Stone vibe. I'm going to say, do you guys get that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the whole film, I kept being like, I know I've seen her in other things. And I actually got Tiffany to watch this one with me. And like halfway through, I said it like for the fifth time. And she's like, it's just because she looks like Emma Stone. <laughs> I mean, she's probably not wrong because I did. She has a very familiar mm-hmm. face. And mm-hmm. so I. But I looked. A lot of her stuff is mostly TV work. Yeah, she did a lot of British TV work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I hadn't seen any of that shit. So I had no idea who she was. But yeah, she was Emma Stone-ish. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought she's good in the role, but her voice was kind of incongruous with her character, I thought. Because she, she has a great voice. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of a cultured English accent. And it just, I don't know, kind of clashed with her character. But anyway. That's a weird, creepy thing to say, Jason. It's not creepy. She <laughs> right, has so, a cool voice. So you're, what? You're like her <laughs> uncle now. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we need to talk about that when we get a little into this. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, you're, so, not, you're not like her uncle. Thank you. You might go smoke weed in a... Um, well, I would probably do this, yes. <laughs> in, a, in a greenhouse. Yeah. But. Well, yeah. Okay. 
so right when they get there, one of the kids is getting sick. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Polly. He, he starts vomiting when they get out. It looks like he was kind of messing with something on the side of the road. And we also got shots of like some like random blobs yeah. here and there, like in the forest. Mm-hmm. Looks like some sort of like what people will call it's like space jelly or whatever. It looked to me like this is nasty to even talk about, but like when you're really sick and you have like super thick mucus that you mm-hmm. like spit up. Sure. Kind of looked like that to me. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I think it's important to note too that um, Polly, I think, uh, might be on the spectrum. Yes. Um, and that adds a lot of tension between him and Jonah. Right. Um, because. Polly doesn't respond to the normal like social cues that the other kids do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm but also it's because he's the first infected. We don't, um, we don't know. Yeah, right. we don't know. Right. It seems like they were trying to set that up a little bit, though. There's another comment that pops in. I that wonder makes if me in think 2008 they would have even thought about that, though. Uh, no, there's a comment. <laughs> that, who's the Who's the sister that she shows up? The people, uh, Chloe. That, there's a comment that Chloe makes that that I think is a, a statement towards that, mm. um, which we can get there. Um, okay. Well, go ahead and mention it. So as the, like the two families are like getting there and and uniting and everything and mm-hmm. like hugging and everything, um, they kind of start settling in drinking and everything. And so Chloe makes the statement. She's like, did you read, um, the stuff I sent you about the MMR? Right. Um, which is one of the biggest mm. anti-vaxxer things saying that vaccines cause autism. Yeah. Which is a thousand times debunked. Right. It's completely bullshit. If you still think that, seriously, please stop. Because <laughs> it's completely false. But she really quickly references it. Like, did you get? Did you read that stuff I sent you about the MMR jab? Right. And the lane just kind of brushes it off. Right. Like, she doesn't even really pay it any attention. Um, we find out that the, that family is kind of a little more kind of hippy dippy. Yeah. Granola. Well, both families <laughs> kind of have some weird quirks because like they're, they're very like hippie-ish, like you would say mm-hmm. very like alternative medicine. And then is it Jonah? He has this weird like marketing scam thing with about China, about, about Chinese <laughs> medicine, Chinese medicine stuff, and yeah. alternative healing. He, he's stuff. trying to sell his stepbrother on and, and shit, which is just, oh, but the family dynamics I totally buy because yeah. we've all been in those situations, or maybe we have family members like this. I've mostly it alienated could be kind of all a chore to put members. up with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really see them anymore. They don't invite me, so I don't know. Before we stray too far from it, too, I do think the actual opening of this film is like awesome. Okay, Just those like shots of like the snowy forest, yeah, and, like the music and how moody it is. Yeah, for the most part, I think the movie's really well. Uh-huh. It's really setting up the isolation too, which I think plays a major role in the film. And you know, I thought like. Dude, these scenes are so gorgeous. What this is awesome. What is this? And then the first shot you get of the people, it looks like a made for TV movie. It's a questionable cast. I mean, I think they did fine. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't dislike the cast. I found everyone pretty believable. Um But it is it was an I don't know, they did have that that look of everyone being slightly too pretty. If that makes sense. Like everyone's slightly too perfect. But I also think that might be part of what they're trying to say. Well, I mean, this is most movies, isn't it? That's true. You know? Nobody cares. I, I didn't find them distractingly attractive or anything, personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, of the other family, the uh, the father in there whose name is... I'm going to have a hard time... Robbie. Robbie. Cece. Uh, <laughs> he's got a weird attraction to Chloe. 
there's a little bit of a flirtation. Or no, no, there, no, to Casey, Casey, yeah, yeah. Casey, yeah. The, the teenage daughter, yes. And apparently that's been a problem because in one of the one of so when Casey's able to kind of there's no cell service here mm-hmm. as well, like yeah, she has to walk out and away from the house to be able to make a call. Yeah, and when she's actually talking to her friend who she's going to try to slip away and go yep. to a party with, she even says something like, why don't you just talk to your horny uncle or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, this has happened before. So, yeah, this is obviously an issue um, mm-hmm. that's gone on. He really, he fucking annoyed me. I think everyone's supposed to annoy you a little bit. I'll be honest, okay. everyone annoyed me. Yeah, oh, <laughs> they're supposed to. They're All of the characters did piss me off, but he, he... It's like Wendy in The Shining. They're supposed to annoy you. He bothered me because he was like supposed to be the cool uncle mm-hmm. and was like, oh, it's fine. It's cool. We can do that here. You well, know? most cool uncles are assholes, really, aren't they? I mean, I think that I'm a cool uncle. <laughs> <laughs> do you smoke weed with a teenager in your greenhouse? Uh, no. Okay. I don't. Well... There are, I mean, some might say that's cool, but some might also say that's like child endangerment or something, you know? So there's a threshold where it becomes cool to where it becomes irresponsible. Yeah. I think this guy pushed that threshold right. a lot like, right. the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first night, we start to notice that the other kids are getting sick. They're yes. also coughing. There's a. They're all normal, hyperactive children at God, first. I fucking hate them, though. Well, yeah, yeah, again, you're supposed to. Because that's how it can be at all these family reunion things. You know, you got a bunch of kids running around, and it's chaotic, and they're screaming, and you're like, oh my fucking God, shut <laughs> up. Um, but the one kid, like, vomits a little bit on, like, on her bed, and it's, like, just, like, there. And they do this, like, zoom-in shot where they show us, like, bacteria yeah. within it, like, writhing around, which is maybe the only hint they ever give about, like, what, right. what it is. Because it doesn't really matter. And in my opinion, it doesn't matter what's causing it. Well, it kind of mattered to me. Did it really? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> so yeah, all the other kids start acting weird too. Uh, we get a little bit of character backstory and stuff with like Elaine and Jonah talking about her sister and her brother-in-law. How about how they something about how they're kind of bougie or something? How they all, all have this money, but they don't work anymore. They sold some business, whatever. They're obviously jealous and mm-hmm. talking about petty things. And these are the ones that live in that house, right? Yeah, in the big okay, house, yeah, right? Okay. And Elaine and Chloe were having some conversations regarding their own mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About how they didn't invite her, don't want her to come. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a hint of abuse in the past. Yeah. Which is interesting. There's a lot of like subtle subtext of little lines that mm-hmm. I think... But that's uh, that's one of my problems. Okay. All right. We'll get there. We'll get and there. And then there's the... I think it's the next day they're having like... Having a breakfast. Having like a breakfast. And oh my God, this scene... Like every kid is screaming mm-hmm. top level, like max they can go. Yep. And everybody, the adults are trying to have a conversation over them. And they're which, just ignoring them. Yeah. Which happens all the time. I don't know how many times I've seen this. Okay. I don't have children. Okay. And I know that parents sometimes get used to their kids yelling and screaming and it becomes background noise to them. Um, but for I'm some, everyone else, that's, it's not. That's, that's being a bad parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a parent, so I have no reference. Right. To that, I can't, I can't say anything about that. I was either. watching this like, and I, and I was watching, my kid was playing around on the floor and I was playing on the floor with him mm-hmm. while watching it. So I was sitting there thinking like, man, if you turn out to do this, like I'm gonna be mad. I mean, but would then you not like my... stop and like? But how many times have you seen this in, in oh, real life? In oh person? no, you see it all the time, all the time. But for me, like I'm like, okay, we need to, because these children weren't of age where they didn't know consequences. Like they were mm-hmm. old enough to know consequences of their behavior and to know how to behave. Yeah, unless they're infected by some sort of weird virus. <laughs> 
but I don't think that had anything to do with their behavior. Like, I don't know. I think they were just... At that point, it does. At least one or two of them. And but... another scene that kind of builds on this discussion, um, it's when they're playing outside at one of the times. It, it's, I think it's one of the times where they kind of start, like, something weird's happening with the kids, but it's like mm-hmm. a near-miss accident kind of thing. And the one dad goes to, like, whip his kid. Yeah, it's, oh, that's Polly. it's yeah, Jonah, yeah. St- Polly, the first one who's infected. And, yeah, he just wails on him. And then... And Robbie is yeah. like, hey, we don't hit kids here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was actually a pretty innocent thing. Like, the sled that they were all sliding down the hill on just got away from him, bumped into... Um, well, I think it was intentional. Yeah. I think Polly is infected at this point, and he wanted to do some damage. Oh, okay. Because they all start having violent We've thoughts. also been shown some quick cut scenes where like, they're playing with toys. Yeah. And they like foreshadow the kills they're going to make. Yeah. Later. Right, right. Um, but either way, it could have been construed as an accident. And, and yeah, Jonah just starts wailing on him, which also, okay, maybe there's been some abuse in the past year. Mm-hmm. You know, because he loses his temper pretty quickly. Yeah, Jonah's shitty. And he's very shitty toward Casey. <laughs> yeah. Jo- Jonah's like, Jonah's rough yeah. to watch. Like the, other, the uncle is bad in his own right. But Jonah's... At least he's not welling on his kids. Yeah, Jonah's one of those characters that you're like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Every every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, can you just stop? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. Can you go away? There's a lot of things with... Um, oh, there is a scene like right when they first get there. And uh, Casey is saying something about, like, what she can and can't do. And, like, they let her have whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, she, they said, well, Casey's grounded. And Casey says, in front of Jonah, she's like, oh, yeah. Well, Mom, it's Jonah grounded me or something. And, like, um, we just pretend it so he feels like he actually yeah. has authority. <laughs> like, right in front of the dude. Oosh. I was like, god damn. Yeah. <laughs> that was fucking rough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, her drinking probably isn't a big deal because she's probably like eighteen or something. Yeah, and that's yeah, a drinking I don't, age there. So. Yeah, I don't. Well, it still seemed to be an issue for the family because the uh, little girl Miranda tries to rat her out. Yeah, you know, and yeah. say like she's drinking whiskey. And there's that one little funny scene where Miranda's trying to get their cat Jinxie over to her, but Casey has the cat and she's like loving on her, like mm-hmm. rubbing it in Miranda's face. Yeah, there's some weird like tension there. You can tell. Yeah, but then the cat come, goes up missing. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so right after that, like outburst scene out in the snow, that's when this uh, smoking weed in the the shed yes. <laughs> scene happens. Yes, and we get a little more backstory on Casey because she actually has a tattoo, which she's not supposed to have. Another typical teen plot kind of sure. thing going on, mm-hmm. uh, and it's this little like fetus with an umbilical cord that like runs into her belly button. Yep, and she tells them that it represents the abortion that got away, which yeah, is her, which is herself. So yeah. that's another little little tidbit to this dif- dysfunctional family that we've got right. going on. Right. But it gets a little, that's where it gets a little creepy with the uncle too because like yeah he's he's staring her down pretty hard. Well, and then the wife comes in too. Yeah, and then it looks even more inappropriate because she's pulling down her shirt to hide the tattoo, and it's like what have they been doing? You know, yeah, to, to the wife's <laughs> point of view, it's definitely it's one of those things where I've seen people try to say like, well, that behavior is kind of innocent, and I'm like, no, no, no. As an adult, you set the tone for what you're around and anything that might even look like, especially when children are involved, yeah. anything that might even, if you were alone with a child, if there's anything that might even look suspicious, you shut that shit down immediately mm-hmm. because right. you set the tone. You're the person in charge. Sure. There. And so like, that's just, 
goes to even solidify his character of being right. You know, always like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. You know, everything's a little, cool. A skeezy. Yeah, yeah. And at that breakfast where the kids are going crazy, that's where the sister-in-law Chloe rats out <laughs> Casey's <laughs> tattoo to her family, and that causes even more of a ruckus. You've yeah. got all this screaming, all this yelling. And then during that, the Miranda, that little girl, she has a huge outburst, and it makes Jonah take her upstairs to like try to comfort her. Right. She ends up scratching, um. Chloe, right? I think so, yeah. I think it's at that scene where um, Chloe ends up trying to step in to -hmm. be like, no, it's okay, I can handle this, you know, and really trying to overshadow, like, I'm going to out-mom you. Yeah. And step in, and Miranda, like, scratches her face, which sets Chloe off. And Chloe's immediately like, these fucking kids. (laughs) You know, like, she loses her shit over the kids. Um, But there's also... The sibling rivalry there too, because mm-hmm. we see Chloe talk about how she's going to homeschool her children, um, and the other sisters like, "Are you even qualified for that?" <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, yeah. you know. Yeah. So there's already uh, there's so much tension, disagreements on how to raise children. It's very awkward. Stuff, like yeah. these people clearly don't like each other. That's a typical family reunion, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Again, I guess I just alienated all those, and I don't get invited anymore, so it's easier. <laughs> So, pro tip: If you don't like your family, just ignore them. Ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> so in the in the wake of that outburst at the table, that's where they kind of split everyone off. Uh, Jonah takes Miranda upstairs. Robbie tries to take the rest of the kids outside. Mm, the play. Be like, hey, let's play in the snow. Deescalate the situation. And then stuff starts happening. Stuff yeah. starts happening. Because <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jonah's going down the sled on this hill, kind of a steep hill, going really fast, and Polly. The first kid who was infected wheels out this wagon that's got like a big... It's like an alien. Like a little alien... It's something they've they've built. Yeah. Like some sort of... It's a spaceman type Mm. thing. Yeah. That's right. That's what it was. It's it's got this hook hanging off. Like gardening implement or something. Yeah. It's like that three-pronged... It's like an every garden set. It's like a three-pronged root digger or something. Sure. I'm sure there's a name for it that someone's screaming at us right now. (laughs) That's called... Three-pronged root digger. We're obviously indoor children. We don't know what that is. (laughs) Um... And yeah, it's hanging off the wagon and he can't stop. He doesn't see it, whatever. And they don't actually show the impact. No, because no. they don't need to. Because yeah. I think they did the smarter thing later. Right, right. But you hear the children screaming and the adults inside who are arguing are like, oh, what the hell's that? They come running out. And yeah, Robbie's laying there in the snow, blood just dripping off his face. They did a really nice maneuver there. Like, the film is bloody. There's no, yeah, it, there's some blood. it's, mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, it's not gratuitous. No, it's not gratuitous, but they did it. It's like they knew what the budget they had. And so instead of showing him hit the cart, we just see them come out to try to check on him. And like, there's a huge flap of his skull. Yeah. They roll him over and his skull just like flaps open and it just pours. And I was like, that was a smart move. Like yeah. you don't need to show it happen when you can just show the effect. Yeah. yeah. Just show the effect. And it wow. looks that good. And it did look good. Mm-hmm. It was a, yeah, it was a good nice. effect. Yeah. And then I think also it's during this is when Casey's trying to run off, right? She's going to, yeah, she was going to meet friend. up with her friend. They were going to go to some party. Um, and she hears the screaming and that's what draws her back. And yeah. so they go to her, of course, cause she's like the oldest. So they expect her to be like the next level of authority, I guess. And they're like, well, what happened? And she's like, I wasn't there. I didn't I was see sneaking it. Off, yeah. But that immediately starts to draw like the suspicious line. Um, a very stupid suspicious line. Yeah. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to come out and say it. I hated the back half of this movie and the way they treat her. 
because there's no there's no logical sense behind where this goes. I yeah. think. Well, I think that. Well, they, also these people just suffered a massive trauma. You're not thinking clearly when something like this happens. Her husband he dies in the snow before any police can get there or anything. Does he? Well, they think he's dead. They think he's dead. They call an ambulance. The ambulance is going to take at least thirty minutes to get there. Yeah. These and it's just really setting up the the remote location as well. That that's. The and they even say call police as well. Like no one's can be there right. anytime soon. Um, as they kind of carry on, like they end up going back inside and leaving this dude outside. Like, well, they tell them to leave the body where it is. Right. Yeah, and they think he's dead at this point. Um, they leave him outside. They're going back in and they're trying to like the kids are disappearing. They're trying to find the kids. Yeah, the kids yeah during off. the commotion, the kids run off into the woods. Yeah. And Casey gets blamed for that as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, They're starting to say, like, well, you were supposed to be watching them. You know, the typical thing Mm -hmm. that happens to the older teenager. Like, We've always got to find someone to blame. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, shit. So they go out looking for the kids, and basically the big thing, like, uh, Polly's on the jungle gym. Yeah. And he's trying to coax this. This fucking scene. Yeah. talk about the scene for a minute? Okay, sure. The jungle gym is so short. There was never a reason for the mom to climb up on it mm-hmm. to get the kid. Okay, that's fine. I mean, she's not really the brightest. She hasn't set herself up that well as to be like, I don't know, the most like straight thinking under pressure. <laughs> well, again, who's thinking straight in the situation? That's true. You know, someone just had a gory, unexpected death. She's trying to get Polly down from the this. Jungle gym thing. And she's climbing up it, and he's kind of inching away from her, so she has to climb up further. And she's wearing heeled boots for yeah. some reason. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. And, and he, like, pushes her, right? Uh, she no, she backwards. just slips. She slips. All right. Because she keeps trying to reach further, and then that makes her slip. Yeah. But she and slips and gets her leg wrapped up in one of the bars, and as she falls, it just breaks her femur. Yeah. Mm. Um, that is your femur, right? Like the yes. shin. It snaps out in the, yeah, in the, the shot. The shin bone that's connected to the leg bone. Right. I actually had a vaguely not as bad but similar thing happen to me when I was a little kid. I was doing like a monkey bars thing and I like slipped and fell and like my leg shot between the like ladder for the slide. Oh, you got shit. a compound fracture? It uh, sprained my ankle. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so your bone wasn't sticking out at least, no, right? No, but it made me not think that about one. It made me, <laughs> bring that back? It made me think about that and I was like, whoa, that could have been way worse. Yeah. Than what it was. I sure hope could've. someone listens and catches that joke. What was it? He said their bone wasn't sticking out. I said, not that one. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Join us next time as we try our new <laughs> It's not me this time. <laughs> I finally got fired. I've been trying for so long. Uh, so she kind of passes out a little bit. Casey grabs her and drags her into the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And then they get beset upon by... Polly. Casey at this point knows that something's wrong with the children because one of them already tried to kill her, right? Well, and she ran out into the woods to try to find them. And and one of those little fuckers shows up. Yeah. And she realizes, like, these children are doing Yeah, there's this. something like, wrong with them. There's something wrong with the children. And so when she takes her mom into the greenhouse, she's, like, fucking barricading the greenhouse <laughs> yeah. and locking it down mm-hmm. like they're about to be besieged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which turns out they are. They are. Um, the one scene I did really like about this is when Polly shows up. <laughs> Polly like breaks through the bottom of the glass of the greenhouse, and he's like crawling in, like mommy, yeah, mommy, <laughs> sure. Um, but he's got a knife. 
Uh, scissors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's got scissors. He's got a weapon now. Yeah. And they're like trying to fight him off or whatever. And Casey gets pinned at one point and he's going toward Casey. Like he's going to stab her. Yeah. He's going to straight obvious. up stab her. And of course the mother's hobbled, but she reaches out and grabs the back of his coat and pulls him backward. And he lands on the broken plane, the glass. Yeah. And it goes through the back and of his is skull. killed. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, you messaged me. Um, <laughs> So Jason messaged me like before, after he'd already picked this film, like bef- midway through the oh, week. Oh, like prepare you for it? And he was like, hey, I forgot to ask, are you okay with um, child harm? And I was like, I was like, ah, it's, I'm sure it's fine. Halfway through this movie, though, I was like, fucking kill him, man. I, <laughs> like, I'm so done with these kids. Like whatever, whatever gets them away from me quicker. Like I don't care. <laughs> right, right. So at first I was like, I don't know, like child harm. I don't know if I really want to watch it. But as the movie kept going, I was like, I don't <laughs> care. Fuckers. I don't care. Um, and so while that greenhouse scene is going on, it's uh, Chloe notices that uh, Robbie's body is gone. Yes. Yeah. Big blood stain and, a, and some drag marks. And apparently it's in a tent. Yeah, they had this tent set up outside that the children were playing in. Um, one of the, the creepy little girls that's like uh, one of Chloe's. Mm-hmm. One of her children is out there, and um, it's Leah. She's got these big eyes, kind of creepy. Yeah, she's always she just shows up too. Like she's always just standing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, kid, wear a bell. Yeah, put a bell on that kid. Uh, so when she like they make this big deal of like building up the tension of her going into the tent or whatever. Yeah, because Elaine's saying, don't let her go out there. Don't go let, her, let her go to the tent. Yeah, she ends up opening up the tent and seeing um, Jonah's, not Jonah, Robbie. Robbie's Robbie. body mm-hmm. in there, and he's covered up. Um, so she pulls back the cover, and one of the children, I guess is that creepy-ass one, has cut open his belly mm-hmm. and put her baby doll in it, yeah. sticking out. Uh-huh. Which, that, that's a very effective scene. Yeah. yeah. She'd already like been playing that way. Like mm-hmm. she'd put the baby under her shirt or mm-hmm. whatever and then like pull it out. Right. So she was already kind of foreshadowing mm-hmm. what was going to happen there. But then um, Robbie kind of like pops awake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess he's he's not quite dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> he is now after this. Yeah. It yeah. makes you think they maybe could have saved him if they right. uh, <laughs> dragged him inside. Somebody had not left me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you're supposed to leave him. It actually slows the blood flow, I think, if they're in ice. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a medical person. I don't no. Know. We're not the ones Let's that. not dispense medical advice. Don't listen to us. <laughs> I, the only medical advice I will dispense on this show is if you continue to say that vaccines cause autism, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> don't do that right, shit. Right, right. Uh, this scene kind of bugged me with the editing. I didn't like this so much because some of the kids are trying to break into the tent and it's a lot of frantic back and forth editing that, right, that kind uh, of bothered me. At Elaine's insistence, Casey kind of jumps to the rescue to try to get her out of there. Right. And she uses like what one of the gardening tools, right? And she's trying to like cut a hole in the tent mm-hmm. to just like open it up. Yeah, it's a fucking tent. It's not that hard to yeah. get out of. But it didn't even yeah. look that. It, it is a weird scene. I think it's 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 edited awkwardly. I think that's part of the problem. And so we do see the children like kind of running off again. Like it's guerrilla sure. guerrilla warfare for the children. <laughs> like they just hit and run. Sure, yeah. You know, it's a good tactic. Yeah, they they're small. They got to do what they got to do. Mm-hmm. Like Ewoks. Um, it's for me that this is where I started coming out of the movie okay how come i i felt like we were starting to get to the point where the story wasn't progressing mm-hmm. um well to keep it going they introduce this whole subplot where chloe thinks that casey 
is the one doing everything. Yes. And that she's responsible for it all. And she's been attacking everyone. Cause the kids ran off again. She thinks they, she thinks that Casey did something to the kids. Uh, Jonah finds Polly and freaks out that he's dead and he's blaming them. He's blaming both of them, the mother and Casey. Yeah. And he grabs and runs Miranda, who's his little princess and they get in the car and take off. Yeah. They just leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we kind of, the film kind of got hung up on that Casey subplot. And it just kept stalling there for me. Like, we get too long of a scene of showing them lock Casey mm-hmm. into a bathroom. Like, I guess there's nothing wrong with these. They just felt like they dragged on a little too long and we weren't continuing with child carnage. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that way, but you know. there was a part to be wrong. Kind of just back before it really like gets to this part. Uh, it's when the kids first run off in the woods. I was kind of still trying to like feel this movie out and be like, "What way is this going to go?" And I thought like, "Oh, okay, they're going to run to like the neighboring houses and start like killing the families that are there or something." I was like, "So I was like, how are they going to pad this out with like more kills or something?" Yeah, and then the answer is is they don't pad it out with more kills. They just oh, it's not about a body count. You know, it's not what the movie's going for. Well, in absence of everything else, I was. I was fishing for something, you know. Okay, so you weren't feeling it. No, I okay. was not. All right. Well, Casey ends up um, doing some like outdoor Girl Scout shit and like bracing her mom's leg. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing was, I, I actually laughed out loud at this scene when um, he's getting ready, Jonah's getting ready to take Miranda away. <laughs> Miranda <laughs> just runs in and grabs this braces. Yeah, yeah rips off, it right just off. rips them out of her mom's leg and just takes off. And yeah. I was like, God damn, she's a little shit. That yeah. is a great moment. <laughs> yeah, that was good. She, like, didn't kill her. Like, wasn't going to try to kill her or anything, but just like, yeah. <laughs> fuck your leg. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and eventually, uh, Chloe runs out and she's trying to find her kids. She finds them in the woods. They wind up killing her. Uh, stab her in the eyeball. Another weird editing choice here. There was a bit too much back and forth. I didn't think they had. The, I don't think they had the budget. I think. I think it was more of a choice of trying to sell the chaos of it, as mm-hmm. opposed to like any t- t- type of budgetary restrictions. Mm-hmm. But I think holding. I think holding on the shots would have been more suspenseful than quick cuts. Yeah, I took issue with that. But that, no, that's me. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe it is hard when you're working with kids what you can do and how you can show it and stuff like that. Maybe, but what's the adage like? Don't work with kids or dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was reading an interview with the director, and he was talking about when they were rehearsing for it, they were doing it very playfully. Like they said, for the adults to just over dramatize your death, you know, make it really crazy mm-hmm. and out there, and we'll get the kids accustomed to that and work our way down to more realistic acting. We'll just get the kids traumatized. <laughs> um, get them good and traumatized. So they, they're well, how, a, how, much, how many times do kids play at killing each other? I mean, know? all the time. Right. It's natural. It's normal. So uh, I'm sure they had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the two kids go back, Nikki and Leah, go back to the house after killing their mother. Uh, they're coming for a lane. They're coming for a lane. She's up at the door trying to get Casey out. She's still hobbled and everything, and they're crawling up there. There's and a weird visual goof in this moment, too. Also, <laughs> so you see Casey banging on the door, and she's hitting it so hard, the door's like bracing and like half opening and like bending. Uh-huh. And then it'll cut to the other side, and the door's like completely static with no uh, movement okay. at all. Cotton in the air. What you gonna do? Uh, but the, the, let's go ahead. Well, one of the things that dragged on for me is the attempting to pick the lock scene. Mm-hmm. That just. 
don't fucking need that. Like that dragged on a little too long. It for does me. amaze me how many times in movies people have so much problems with internal doors. <laughs> they're typically not that strong. No, you can you bust know? those down. Now, this they're... is an old English farmhouse. Maybe it's a little bit tougher than most, but still, it's like that door's not going to stay up that long. Anyway, anyway, they I really, that's a lot of movies. They struggled with that door a little too long for me, mm-hmm. and I was starting to be but, like, okay, let's. let's I like go. the scene where the kids are coming up the steps, but uh, Elaine can't kill them. You know, she just she says, "I can't. I'm sorry." Casey handed her a knife, a yeah. kitchen knife, protect basically yourself. protect herself. Right. Um. But no, I'm. But I would be with her. Like, you, there's no way your brain's going to be like, I'm going to kill this kid. Sure. Even if it's obvious they might kill you. Like, yeah. you're still bigger, and you're like, I don't know. There's nothing in my brain that would immediately think, like, yeah, got to off this little shit. You know, like, hmm. Dustin's like, I don't know how to kill the fuckers. I could see someone having a problem with it, is what I'm saying, especially a mother. Yeah, you know. it would be difficult. Um, but anyway, Casey gets... Uh, she finally breaks the door down. Breaks the door down. Oh, yeah, and there's that great scene where the door splinters, mm-hmm. and they grab uh, Nikki's head and pull them down onto the, the jagged piece sticking up. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. It's like no. that scene in the raid. Yeah, that's that a good kill. <laughs> that might be my favorite kill in the whole film. Yeah. No remorse one. whatsoever. No, it's just, it's just she's like... At this point, Casey's like, these kids have gone crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> they, them or us. Yeah, she's figured it out. Oh, and I do like whenever they get back in before all this pops off um, and Casey tries to like lock up the house before they trap her indoors. Mm-hmm. And when the kids come back, they just crawl through the doggy door. Yeah, right through the doggy <laughs> door. Yeah. yeah. Well, so they end up leaving the final child just like standing there because mm-hmm. she's kind of like dumbfounded that, that one kid just got his throat punctured. Sure. Mm-hmm. And is laying there dead, and Casey just grabs her mom, and they're like, "We're fucking out of here, man!" Like, yeah, they're driving. They head to the car. They get the car started. There's obviously the scene where the car doesn't want to start, kind of a thing. It's of course, pretty. It's got to happen. No, it's winter. I can see that happen. Um, no, just get a good cold cranking amp <laughs> battery. Like Jesus, if it gets that cold, prepare your car. God damn it! It's more Michael wisdom for you. Yeah. on this episode, it's one of the English cars. They even got steering wheel on the right side, Michael. What do you expect? Oh, they got it on the wrong side. Uh-huh. That's where they got it. Um, yeah, they're driving down the road, and they come across the, their other vehicle, the one that uh, Jonah took off with, with Miranda. I kind of like the fact they just fucking left that kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. No what are you going to do? I'm like, going to leave it. It's going to kill us. I'm, I'm out of there. Yeah. Uh, but they find the, the vehicle. It stopped. No one's in sight. They're investigating. The mother's in the car. Casey's out looking, and they find Jonah buried in the snow, still kind of half alive. Yeah. Covered in blood. And then from the other side of the screen, Miranda comes running at Casey. With a, she's got a log or something. Yeah. <laughs> she's got, yeah, something. And the mother just floors the car and <laughs> rams the kid into the back of the other car. That was actually a pretty ballsy scene. Yeah. Um, because all the, all the child kills so far are pretty detached. And they're fast. Mm. There's like, Fast cuts. And well, like, yeah, the, one, the, the one's even on one. kind of like an accident in the greenhouse. Yeah, that one's not. I wouldn't consider that like that. Right, it wasn't like killing the child. Kill. It wasn't like jabbing the one down on the wood. Right. <laughs> um, but even then, like Jason was saying, that was a quick cut. They don't linger on it. Mm-hmm. This one, they pin Miranda to the back of the other <laughs> yeah. car and just let her fucking slide it's down. A, <laughs> it's a fun shot from the inside of the car. You're looking out the back, and yeah, the kid goes up against. Blood goes everywhere, and yeah, she just slides down. I was like, well, that was ballsy. Like, yeah. uh, okay, I wasn't expecting you to linger on that one so mm-hmm. then there's kind of a lull here and casey starts getting sick 
Well, there's the weird thing where sh- all these other kids show up. Yeah, all the other kids. That's well, right. Casey they see one kid to- standing up by himself. Casey finds a pile of vomit mm-hmm. that she accidentally sticks her hand in. Um, that was earlier, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I was starting to wonder, like, okay, is Casey immune from this? Like... Is she going to get sick? Kind it seems of a like thing. it's only affecting children. And is, yeah. is she too old now, or is she still a child? Yeah. Or did it? Or would it affect everybody? Perhaps. Or is it like? Uh, is it airborne? Is it you know? Or maybe it's just that kids don't ever fucking wash their hands. Well, <laughs> so yes, that's an important underlying message. Wash your goddamn germy <laughs> sticky hands. Oh my god. Oh my god. That is like mm, that's scarier to me than most things. It's just so uncomfortable. Ugh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Casey. She sees Casey start to throw up, and she's hacking yeah. up that same like weird goo. Right. And I wasn't sure if that scene was like Casey getting sick, or if, or the way they kind of sold it. Is was, she infected, or is she just overcome by all this? Yeah, was, physically. Is it supposed to be ambiguous? And then as they well, the mother hesitates, letting her back in the car. Yeah. All the yeah. kids are converging on them, and she's like, oh, "I don't know." <laughs> well, at this point, like all these other children start showing up, which from... probably explains why the cops are having a hard time getting there because this is happening everywhere. Apparently, maybe, yeah. Um, but all these other children start showing up in the woods, and they're just mm-hmm. like walking up, surrounding them, like they're getting ready to converge on them. And uh, the little girl that they ditched back in the house, she's with them, so yeah. she's. She's safe, guys. Don't worry. She made it out. <laughs> she of She made it out to kill more people. It makes you yeah. wonder if it's like a hive mind thing or something. Almost. Yeah, it's kind of a village of the damned riff going on here. Um, you know, one of the movies that it reminded me of—I mean, it's a better movie uh, than this one—was uh, the Hallow. Or the Hallow. I've never seen good. that. Hallow's good. Um, it's kind of that same. It was a fungus type mm. thing um, that can. Well, the Hollow came out after this, so it probably ripped it off. <laughs> yeah, it's it Squid Gamed it. <laughs> it's original. So um, she lets Casey in finally, and they start driving off, and it kind of zooms in on Casey, and she's getting that absent blank look. Well, she does this like eye blink twitchy thing, yeah. which earlier in the film, I think it's the Miranda kid. You see her doing yeah, that a little right. bit. So it intimates that she's now infected, or is she just traumatized? I don't know. End of movie. End of movie. End of movies. Cut to credits. Yeah. The children. Um, okay. So you guys obviously didn't care for this movie. It's not that I didn't care for it. Well, what are your thoughts? Let's discuss. That's what we're here for. I'll go the positive route here because I think Dustin's got some, some <laughs> shit talk to do. It's fine. Um, it just didn't wow me. Sure. Like, the, I think it nailed tone pretty well. I think there's a pretty dreadful tone mm-hmm. that permeated the film that I that I think was palpable. Um, the iso- isolation movies get me, too. Like, I think isolation is a good tactic. Oh, that, yeah. You know, to make you feel like well, there's nobody that's going to be able to help me mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Um, it just felt weird to me that they were, like, playing up the isolation thing, and then when you see them leaving in the car, it's like a cleanly paved road out there. Yeah, well, I think it's a community. Mm. I, like I, I do think there's a community out, and it's very rich people community. Like I could see this. Yeah, being, I don't think they're like miles from people. I no, mean, rural England is still not nearly as rural as rural America. Yeah, you know, you can only be so far from other people in England. Whereas here, you've got. I mean, <laughs> how much it, more distance do you have in the states? It kind of felt like there was some sort of like kind of distant communities here. Like the the houses were obviously 
for wealthier people mm-hmm. um, d- based on their oh, size. There it is. There it is. But I, uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> this it kind of frustrates me because I want to like this. Sure. I really want to like it. Uh-huh. I like the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the tone is done well. But there's just too many things that take me out of it. Like a lot of the editing's just really too fast. For there's the, some there's some poor choices. There, there's yeah. it's too fast for the film. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think there's some for every time that the film shows real balls and does something that I'm like, ooh, wasn't expecting that. It chooses to not do something else. You know, like, granted, I don't think you need to linger on a child kill. I don't think that's. Yeah, you don't want to get gratuitous. I don't think that's appropriate no, to no. do that. But at the same time, this like isn't August Underground, yeah, <laughs> or something like that. And I think probably a good part of it is that I hated the characters so much. There, there wasn't a single likable person there for me. Like even okay. even Casey, even Casey? I, I hated. Hmm. Casey just reminded me of me in high school. See, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hate anyone. I, I found them to be realistic characters. Maybe that's why I hated. No, them. I didn't like them. But at the same time, I didn't hate them. Maybe because they were realistic is why I hated them, because I don't like people. One of my hang-ups, I would say, is that I felt that every single character was like grossly unrealistic and just like wacky really? off the rails the I thought time. they were pretty normal in their... Like, it felt to me like they took a, a general idea of a dysfunctional family, and then they were like, okay, let's crank every single person to 11. No, you're thinking of the Rob Zombie Halloween films. When it comes to dysfunctional families, that's all the way to eleven. Except that's, that's ridiculous. Except that's better than this movie. <laughs> wow! Oh my god! Now I, everyone's quirks and idiosyncrasies and annoying mannerisms I bought in this movie. I I know people like this. You I know? think a big difference in it too is, I I think the people that I choose to be around are nothing like this, but I have been around a lot of affluent people that are very much like this. Sure, like. They have wealth, enough wealth that it makes them think that they're like slightly better than everyone else, and so therefore their opinion matters more. And I don't know. It's even like that whole. I was really pissed off by the anti-vax parents. Just, <laughs> You're supposed to be. <laughs> I can't. I have trouble getting past them. Like, right. No, that's the point. And when you talk about like, uh, like a when people like criticize horror films and they say these throwaway, like disposable characters, everyone makes dumb decisions. I felt like this film was just like running down that line, like checking every box it could as like hard as it could. Okay. So you think that in the middle of a crisis like this, everyone's going to act logically and rationally. There is zero reason. When you see your spouse die in the snow. There's zero reason to assume that Casey is the one behind it, especially when she shows up there to save her in the middle of being attacked. By sure, tits. but you, you see there's this underlying tension between her and Casey anyway. She's obviously like jealous of her or suspicious of her or something. And I could see someone just sort of snapping and just blaming the nearest person, blaming someone they don't like. But I don't think that's what they depicted. Okay, I bought it. That's That was my inference. I don't know. Jason just maybe wanted. I'm projecting. I don't, yeah, I don't he was like, I I want to kill that kid. Yeah, yeah she, fucking kill her. Yeah, she's done. Okay, she's done. Continue. Um, well, and that's that's it. I was just so frustrated the entire time. There are amazing moments sure. in this film, mm-hmm. like individual slices, some of the kills, uh, the ideas, those opening shots, like those really like shot me up, and I was like ready to love this film mm-hmm. out of the gate, and then they like almost immediately squandered it for me. Okay, um, and I really wanted to love this movie after Hold the Dark. Just to like stick it to you for giving me a tough time, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but I just could, I couldn't do it. 
<laughs> well, one of the things we were going to talk about did bother me a little bit, and I think I had a little trouble with it. Okay. Um, we watched this on Tubi, mm-hmm. and we talked about how Tubi has a really killer selection. They have a good horror well, We should sidetrack to talk about Tubi for a second. Um, but Tubi has ads. Sure. And that's the payoff. It's free. There's ads. Okay. I felt like the ads were very poorly placed. I think there's an algorithm, I'm sure. Like every few minutes mm-hmm. they do X amount of ads. I did it respect, doesn't matter where it's placed. I did respect that they give you like a heads up in the corner. They're like, hey, add in five, four, right. three, yeah. two. But they come at horrible times. They were right? very poorly placed for I don't know if it's the same for everybody, like when but, the but, ad but will then hit. When you've got a feature like a cinematic film, there's no good place for an ad. Yeah, it's so know? that I think that hurt me. Watching it because sure. it, it does break the tension. It's not the best way to view this movie or any movie, really. Yeah, it it does break the tension. So then I found myself wondering, like, okay, if I watch this in a setting where I didn't have that to break it, because sometimes the ads would show up, like there's a mm-hmm. big build or whatever. It's like, bah, bah, yeah. bah, 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 oh, and then there's two minutes of ad or three minutes. Welcome to the dog pan. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. It and ruins, then, you're right, and maybe this is something we need to think about going forward. Maybe we should try to watch these movies in a more pure form and avoid um, ads in them. I was out before the first ad, so... Wow, okay, all right. <laughs> I'll just throw that in there. Uh, but uh, Tubi itself, they actually have a some impressive catalog, I think. They do. That's... If, we, if we talk beyond this film, like, if you just want to watch some movies, it's a pretty respectable, like, lineup of things that they have, especially the genres they reach out into. Yeah. It's a real double-edged sword, though, because I think some films, it wouldn't matter. Sure, if you're watching some dumb slasher flick, it doesn't matter if there's an ad. And maybe the problem is there is no option for like a paid no ads. I checked for that, yeah. And I I respect that that's their thing, that they're just trying to do that, but mm, you you gotta weigh that, I guess. It's free, so well, how much can you expect for something free? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm not looking for like excuses to say like, well, maybe I didn't like it because of this, or maybe I didn't like it (laughs) because of that. Well, you don't need an excuse. And it's not that I didn't like it. Like, I, I don't want to be really, really harsh on, on the movie because I think that it does have moments of merit and moments that I think really did work. Mm-hmm. But it's just as a whole for me, I didn't feel that it was effective as it could have been. Okay. And and I think part of it is where, and that's clicking with me now, is that when you talked about this director did a lot of television, mm-hmm. it feels like it could have been a TV movie. I thought that like every time it shows just the family interacting, it's always like these very straight frame shots mm-hmm. with like there's nothing really like visually interesting going on. Visual storytelling, I think, is an art of its own, you know. And there are some films that that do that tell a great visual story, but a shit actual story, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's plenty of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe it's just where this director is so used to working in TV, and I think that could have been pacing issues too. You know, like, it it wasn't that, because I took issues with some of the pacing of the okay. film. So that could be part of it. I don't okay. know. So I, I didn't have any pacing issues. And the scenes you're talking about with the family, where it's kind of, like, the camera's kind of locked down at certain points. Um, and it's like, you know, medium shots, getting everyone in the, in the frame. That didn't bother me either, because I think the point was to present an almost TV-like mundane normal like safe sort of environment but then everyone's running around like a psychopath that's the point right and that's Uh. the that's the counteract to the visuals there that that's that was my impression do you the the only complaint i have filmmaking wise were those editing choices i didn't agree with yeah do you like krampus i love krampus 
I thought about that a lot while I was watching this film, the early part where it's just the family Isolated and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nah, Krampus is a great movie. Um, I just okay. feel like in Krampus they do everything that I am thinking is like off about the children. Oh, I think Krampus is a better film, mm-hmm. but I think the children is... My deal with the children is I think it's not talked about enough. I think it is a movie that people should check out if they like this subgenre, which, let's get to that, what kind of genre is this? Killer kids. Killer kids subgenre. I think that's a very fair statement because I had no idea this movie existed. Mm-hmm. And the poster's absolute shit. So <laughs> it is pretty It's bad. not the best, but I've seen <laughs> far worse. It's just it's just so substandard. Especially like, when you put it up against the 1980 children. Because when you first told us this and I Googled it, the mm-hmm. other one came up and I was like, oh, what the fuck is this movie? Right. There's just nothing about this poster that would make me click this movie. Sure. You know, like... No, I get that. Yeah. So, therefore, if somebody hadn't told me... But, God, I can think of so many films that... Yeah. Like, one that I... I think had, this stuck with me more but more because when it came out around 08, there, it was, there was a very dry period of horror. Mm-hmm. Like, after the J-horror boom and stuff like that, we got yeah. some good stuff around the turn of the century and then it sort of dried up for a bit. Oh, and I should say, Michael, you and I are kind of in the minority on this, I think, because I looked at like reviews from the time when it came out, it's and there was actually a, quite a bit of high praise like from Bloody Disgusting and other places like that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And so I just had this thought. Do you ever feel that maybe your impressions or thoughts of a movie are skewed because it initially made you mad? Of course. Sometimes, yeah. Like, I wonder if... Because I because I kept thinking of ways that I wanted this to be better or things that I felt could have worked, mm-hmm. it's almost skewing like my actual thoughts of the film because I'm like, well, if they would have done this. Right. You're not judging it by its own content. You're right. judging it if, by what you would have done instead. If they would have done this, it would have been better. And now I'm like, well, that makes it inferior. But also, I didn't make the movie. Right. And I'm not in Hollywood or... Sure. A filmmaker, so what the fuck right do I have to say anything, you know? like. But I mean, also, what's there is what's there. Yeah. And so. so I almost feel like I get frustrated. I got more frustrated at this movie, and therefore it ended up kind of tainting me through the rest of the movie, like because I would get frustrated at certain things, and now I'm like, well, shit. It's like if somebody gets on your nerves, then everything else they do gets <laughs> on your nerves. So I, I don't know. Maybe it was a little clouded. I think if you like the killer kids genre, if you want to get into that genre and see a bunch of the films, this is one you should check off on the list. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Let's talk real quick about some of the most important killer kids movies. Okay. So we've got The Bad Seed from 1956. Classic. Which is probably the first killer kid movie. It has kind of a cop-out ending, but anyway, it's worth watching. (laughs) Uh, Then we get Village of the Damned in 1960, which is a Stone Cold classic. That was probably the first one I saw of this genre. That's a good one. Um, one I want to give a shout out to, which was on my list to do at some point, Who Can Kill a Child from 1976. Mm. Our friends at Unsung Horrors recently did an episode. I was going to say they just yeah. did oh, that. Yes. Yeah, so I'll check that out. The show notes. Yeah, it's good. Um, it was poorly remade. Has come out in play in 2012. I never saw that. No, you don't I either. Please avoid it. Okay. Luckily, no one really talks about it. It the director I forget his name. He goes by like one name. And the movie is pretty much shot for shot. There's nothing original in it. He didn't change anything up. And at the end, it's like, directed by this guy. <laughs> like, it, I don't even want to say, yeah, I'm not even going to look up his name. I care that little. It's the only movie he's ever done. Oh. And he's presenting it like, he did this. Like, he's so badass. And 
Yeah. Oh, hmm. fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> um, One I want to shout out real quick. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know that I would say it's a good movie, but I just like it a ton. Is Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn on my list. Yep. Absolutely. It's not a good movie. The first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, really, honestly, truly, it is not. But I do love to the watch it. The first 10 minutes yeah. are awesome. Yeah. When they're killing everyone in the town and stuff. That's cool. Mm-hmm. There's a short made of this. I forget who directed the short. Um, Children of the Corn. That's much closer to the short story. And it's pretty chilling. Mm. It's really good. Um, maybe we can look that up later and put it in the show notes. No way to know. Try to find it. Um, no way to know. Children, as we mentioned before, The Omen could be a killer kid movie. I don't know if that really counts. Son of Satan and all that. Kind of straddles the line, I think. Yeah. Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. God, I love Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's always been this taboo against you can't kill kids on screen and stuff like that, which obviously before this movie, other movies were breaking that taboo. And Village of the Damned had a remake too, right? Yeah, and John Carpenter. It's not good. But it was one of Christopher Reeve's, Reeve's last films, so it's kind of worth watching for that. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there, like when The Walking Dead killed a kid in the first episode. And everybody made a huge deal out of it. And that little girl is actually running the uh, the horror convention circuits. <laughs> she's on screen for like two seconds. Doesn't take much to get a career awesome. these days. And so. got shot. And so she's milking that for what it's worth. Yeah, more power to and her. And so everybody made a big deal out of it. But I will say, like, I ended up not liking the TV show for Walking Dead that much. Uh, I do love the comics, but... I thought that was a good first episode just to set the tone. The that first way. season was good. Yeah. And then it, anyway, yeah, well, that's what happens when um, Darabont leaves. So. <laughs> <laughs> One thing this made me think of, uh, like the children's behavior and their complete disregard for the safety of others and intent to harm the adults was this really interesting, but disturbing documentary called child of rage, a story of abuse uh, that was made in 1990 about Beth Thomas uh, she was a six-year-old girl who, along with her infant brother, were adopted. And she had extremely violent tendencies. She would torture her little brother. She would torture animals. She would act inappropriately with older men. Uh, she would try to harm the adults. She, they took her to a psychiatrist, and it's all about her talking about how she just wants to kill. She wants to hurt. She has these fantasies of of killing the adults, her parents, her adoptive parents. And it turns out that she was horribly abused. Sure. There's got to be a, right. Yeah, there's right. a reason for that. Absolutely. It wasn't wow. some space virus. It was the real life <laughs> horrifying reality. Um, luckily it has a happy ending because she got help and she went on to live a full life. Only killed oh, wow. like three people. <laughs> she didn't kill anyone. <laughs> oh, that's impressive. But she got the help she needed <laughs> and she's, She's good, but it's it. If you're interested at all in psychology and stuff like that, it's it's a fascinating watch. It's horrible, you know. It's it's hard to watch. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't think the children. Like a... I don't think the children did that. <laughs> it's just when you watch the documentary, though, like just her detachedness. Yeah, you know, it made me think of this. I wouldn't be surprised if the director had seen this, the the documentary before doing. Sounds this. like an interesting side dish if you're into this subgenre. Yeah. Anyway. And, and you need a feel-good uh, Friday night, <laughs> Friday <laughs> night film. Well, it has a happy it's, ending. It's tough, but you know. Hmm. All right. Final thoughts. <laughs> Let's do final thoughts. Michael, okay. Set us off. I'm going to settle on a two and a half. Mm-hmm. I think on this one, commendable. Um, there's a lot of things that I did like about it. Tone, like things I've mm-hmm. already mentioned, and everything. Sure. Um, equally, things though that I, I just didn't care for, which I've already hashed out and gone over. Um, I do think it would. It, I do. 
Uh, oh, I think that it's an important entry in the killer kid genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can overlook that. So I think if you're on a binge, like trying to <laughs> soak up all the killer kid movies, definitely add it in. Um, and how many New Year horror films have there been? There's been a few, I know. But, New Year's Evil. Yeah. Um, I think Terror Train was set to New Year's, wasn't it? But anyway, yeah. There's, yeah, that, there's that's been another. A that's another line on this one. You might want to yeah. toss it in. <clears throat> so I don't think your time. I don't think your time's wasted if you choose to watch this film. It's easily accessible too, which I think. You know, if you don't mind ads. Yeah, if if you don't mind ads, but that also comes into play with us sometimes. Like with some of the films that we watch, like they're not always easily accessible, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to get a hold of some of them. Yeah, there's no Blu-ray for this, and the DVD I think is on Amazon, and sometimes you can find it in used stores and stuff. Hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna settle it at two and a half. No knock on anybody okay. that fair likes it more, but that's average. Sure, yeah. Dustin. Okay, uh, I don't think I need to explain any more of my feelings. I think I've pretty much No, you've done quite enough. <laughs> covered all my thoughts and feelings um, successfully this time. And, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to just sit here and say I hated it, but it really was, like, pretty unappealing to me. And I hate that because I want to, you know, praise every movie I watch and find the good stuff. And there is good stuff in here. There are really great kills at some moments, uh, some great shots. But when you add it all together, it was a miss for me. So I would give this like one star. Wow. Mm. Damn. I think if, you, if you're in those lanes where it's like you're looking for any, any New Year horror you can watch, if you're looking for any killer kid movies you can watch, you, you should just toss this in and watch it. You may very well feel differently than me, and that's cool. But It's actually only an hour and a half, too. Yeah. Very, very short. It's not a big investment. Very economical runtime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very sensible. Jason, take us home. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this is the next best thing ever or some undiscovered classic or something, but I think it's a solid killer kid movie. I think it's pretty well acted. I think it's mostly well shot. I I got a thing about, you know, something about seeing kids get killed. (laughs) I don't know. You and Erica from Unsung Horrors, man. We're we're of a mind. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just there's something about it. I don't take joy in it. I think because it's it's one of those, and this, like you said, it's, it's on a taboo. TV now. But yeah, yeah, it's still considered by most people as something you don't do. Yeah, it's like killing an animal or something in a movie. You know, you don't do it, but it could be very effective when you. I mean, do there's it. a whole website devoted to warning people if right. an animal dies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But we can see human carnage all the time. It's mm-hmm. it's still not real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I give it three and a half stars. All right. So I, I think it's a very good movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie. It's the sort of thing I wish he would do another feature film because I think this director has you know some talent and some potential. Oh, this is so okay. So during an interview when this came out with uh, Cineropa, he he was asked what future projects he has, and he said he had a few floating around. He said not all are horror movies, uh, but one most certainly is. It's a great project called Hell Train. He said, imagine if Sam Raimi was transported back in time to the mid-60s to make a classic Hammer movie on a train bound for hell. I'd watch the shit out of that. I want to see this movie. So if that screenplay is still floating around, if Shanklin still has it, someone let him make this movie. We need this movie. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. Hell yeah. Could he deliver it? Yes. I I have faith in him. I think he can. I'd say... Do it, Tom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, give him give him a decent budget so he can do the gore gags. Because he's if if he said Sam Raimi, it's going to have to have mm-hmm. some gore mm-hmm. gags. So give him the money to do the do the budget right. Mm-hmm. Just let him play. And this is based on a screenplay that was originally titled Miria, 
which is an anagram of Raimi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I like wow. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, make that cool. movie. Dustin, it okay. is your pick next. It is my pick, and it's actually our last episode of the year, which is kind Uh-oh. of a big thing. I think I see it over so there, I've, and I've been I'm debating. really excited. A part of me wanted to do another Christmas film just to kind of complete this chain, mm-hmm. um, but there's a problem with this year and the movies we've picked. I have never done an episode about my favorite director, Shion oh. Sono. Oh, but you talked about him a lot. I've talked about mm-hmm. him a lot. We need to cover one of his films. He actually has a Christmas movie. The problem is the only way to watch it right now is there is a Region B Blu-ray, period. Like, full stop. You can't stream it anywhere. Mm. It's, it's nowhere. It's very hard to get at. And right now with our situation, you know, you with the kid, we're having a hard time linking up. We kind of have to, like, remotely watch everything. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to file that away for another year. Mm-hmm. At some point, we'll come back to it. It's interesting. Jason, you've seen it. I've we'll talk it. about it sometime. Yep. <clears throat> so we need to do a Sono film. Okay. And we need to end the year with a blast. Mm-hmm. And there's no better way to end the year with a blast than with a radioactive blast. Mm. So what I have selected for us for our final film of the year is Sono's latest film, Prisoners of the Ghostland. I'm so excited for this. And it's streaming on Shudder. Mm-hmm. It's out now. It's very easy to access yep. if you want to watch it before we talk about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. And prepare yourself for me to just geek out incredibly next episode. And prepare for me to tear it apart. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't care for this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week or next time, Prisoners of Ghostland, Sean Sono. There'll probably be a lot of shots being taken because it'll be like a lot of I've got the blues. I've got and it. Then, yeah, and then like Sean, you even got the 4K <laughs> yeah. for this one, and you don't even have a 4K player or TV. Well, I thought I could just come over to Jason's and pawn yes, him into it. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> So until next time, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we enjoy interacting with you on all the socials. Thanks for writing us, commenting. We have a ton of fun with that. Please do. And please keep sending us uh, suggestions for movies to watch. Yeah. yeah, we got a few backlogged from you guys, which we're excited to get to. Um, but we yeah, we, we don't need, care. We'll cover anything. Yeah, we need more. Yeah. Need more. All right. Uh, so until next time, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everyone. Take care. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening